for Thursday, November 4th, 2021, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, since March of 2020, we've been bringing you different perspectives on living with and understanding the coronavirus pandemic. We've talked with doctors and experts and people just trying to make it through this time. Today, I'll be in the interview chair to share some of the things I've learned covering the pandemic. That's next. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. The world has changed from shifts in power to a mental health crisis. So with all this social change, how do we balance the human desire for empathy, the business need for productivity, and the hope to make an impact in our community? This is a new podcast, The Social Impact Leader. I'm Jeff Schinnebarker. Join me as we explore people doing work a little different. Available every Wednesday at wabe.org forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. W-A-B-E. Hey, y'all. I'm Mark Kendall. And I'm David Perdue. And we're the hosts of What's Good Atlanta, the new weekly comedy podcast from WABE. On What's Good Atlanta, we run down uplifting and unusual headlines from the universe known as Atlanta. And while we may not be journalists, we are comedians, and we'll be breaking down news and breaking down the stories that make you smile. We're just trying to see what's good, Atlanta. Episodes drop Fridays at WABE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I get mine from a guy named Craig. Shout out to Craig. Mm -hmm. WABE. When we started this show nearly 20 months ago, we didn't really have a plan. We just knew that something big was happening and we needed to cover it. So I started talking to people as we tried to wrap our minds around something that, well, it's not that easy to wrap your mind around. Now, some news. This is the final episode of Did You Wash Your Hands? You'll find out more about why straight ahead in a conversation I had with Rose Scott. She's the host of WABE's Daily News Magazine, closer look. The description for Did You Wash Your Hands is this, quote, the coronavirus pandemic has us all asking a lot of questions. How long will I have to practice social distancing? Will there be a cure for COVID-19? Can I ever touch my face again? (laughs) WAB health reporter Sam Whitehead and guests will try to answer those questions. He'll talk with experts, public officials, journalists, and everyday people about how the coronavirus is affecting their lives. Close quote. Sam, my first question to you, have you done all of that? Have you gotten to do everything you wanted to do? You know, it's funny looking back at those questions because I think we have some like answers for them, which I don't necessarily think I thought we would have when we started out. So like we're still social distancing, right? 
Is there a cure for COVID-19? I mean, there are therapies that people are pretty excited about. There's one that was originally developed here at Emory University that I remember doing a story on back in February of 2020, before the podcast even started, an antiviral drug that's now been taken to market by Merck, um, which has shown some real promise. Um, You know, there's also things that we've discovered over the course of the pandemic, uh, remdesivir, People might have heard of that, you know, that have helped people from getting severely sick with COVID-19. The can I ever touch my face again seems a little quaint. (laughs) So um, I guess we have kind of answered some of those questions in ways which I I didn't think um, we would be able to. And your question, did, did I get to do all I wanted to do? I mean, I think, yeah. There have been various points over the last 20 months when I have really had to check in with myself and think about the value of doing this podcast and it's really hard, I think, to cover a story this big, you know, something as large as, as a pandemic in one or two stories, which is something that we often have to do as reporters, right? Mm-hmm. We go wrap three or four voices into a short four-minute produced piece, and like that's our take on this situation at this moment in time. With a project like the podcast, I have found it really helpful to really kind of zoom out. We have done 181 episodes. Wow. Over the course of the last uh, 18, 20 months. That's and- like law and order. <laughs> that That is in law and order, you know, space. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. And it's the kind of thing where I don't know how many like podcast completists we have out there in the audience who have listened to every episode. But my hope is that people, even if they've checked in every once in a while, got a little bit of a sense of where we were going with the pandemic, where we were at that current time and, and how it was affecting folks. Sam, when you think about 20 months ago and you started covering this, and obviously you had no idea which way to approach it because none of us knew. Mm -hmm. But then as Georgia responded, like other states responded to the virus, I imagine that did influence your coverage and, and what angles you wanted to tackle. Yeah, I think for me, too, this has been a real crash course, I think, in the power of journalism to really have an impact on the world. Certainly, I tried over the course of covering the pandemic, not just in the podcast, to make information public that wasn't necessarily readily available. You might remember back during the Trump administration, we would get these kinds of state-level reports on how Georgia, Tennessee, all the states were doing with regards to disease spread in particular. Um, This was before we really had vaccines widely available. And I put in a public records request every week because this was data that the state was getting that the state was not readily sharing with the public. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think all reporters like to think that putting that kind of data out there holds public officials accountable in some way, shape or form. I, I, I hope that did. But I also think, you know, there have been other reporters trying to do that over the course of the pandemic. And this is kind of a depressing thought, but it, it's really I've wondered at times the kind of impact that it has had. Mm-hmm. You know, we have seen the way that elected and appointed officials in the state have responded to the pandemic. And a lot of it really does seem to be independent or not in consideration of criticism that they've gotten from reporters or the public. And so certainly Georgia has been, I think, a really fascinating place to cover the pandemic because we are a state that really is going through bigger transitions, right? Mm -hmm. We're not South Dakota and we're not California. We want to think about those as two ends of the political spectrum. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a really fascinating place to cover the pandemic. And not only because the CDC is here, right? We also have great public health resources mm-hmm. here, which has made covering the pandemic, I think a lot. It's allowed us to uh, paint a more comprehensive picture, I think. 
let's segue from that then into all the experts and all the guests that you've had. And I've said this before, you know, when you think about all of the medical institutions here, mm-hmm. Morehouse School of Medicine, Emory, uh, Georgia State, you know, right here in our, our area, there's some wonderful experts. We hear them nationally, but then we also know that we can reach out to them. And I do want to applaud all of them because they always made time for local media as well. Yeah. You know, I will say that before the pandemic really um, took over my beat as a health reporter, I didn't pay a lot of attention to public health. And I really came to understand, like you said, the the depth and the really breadth of knowledge that we have here at these institutions, both public and private here mm-hmm. in Georgia. You know, we've got CDC. We have very serious research institutions. We have big nonprofits like, mm-hmm. you know, the Task Force for Global Health, the Carter Center, people who were doing really amazing work. I mean, I've, I've had people tell me that they think Atlanta is the public health capital of the world. Oh. Right. And I think that we've really seen that over the course of the pandemic. What has really been interesting to me, which I don't know if people realize, is that a lot of the names that folks might, you know, have come to know over the course of the pandemic, you know, people like Carlos Del Rio, other folks at Emory, um, maybe folks at Grady, you know, there's that connection there because all these institutions are connected. A lot of these folks are people who have really made a name for themselves in HIV and doing HIV work for the last, you know, 20 to 30 years here in Atlanta. Atlanta's still one of the country's HIV hotspots. And so people might not think, okay, well, we have um, this respiratory virus and then we have HIV. Maybe they're not really the same. But if we want to pull back and say, hey, these are novel infectious agents, Mm -hmm. um, there's just so much knowledge here in the city that's a good thing to have when covering something like this. But you have faced some challenges as well. There have been some challenging aspects of covering this virus. It's hard to cover something like this. It's just hard personally, emotionally. There have been some conversations that I have had with people in darker times of the pandemic that don't really leave me feeling optimistic about (laughs) the way things are going, where things are going. So just kind of dealing with the subject matter and just the grave stakes that we're really dealing with here um, has has been hard personally. You know, it's even harder when you're working from home and you don't have, you know, your colleagues and co-workers there in the same space with you to help kind of share some of that burden. That's certainly been a challenge. Access has been a humongous challenge. Mm-hmm. We have seen that change over time as things really have opened up here in Georgia, just if we want to think about the state of public health emergency expiring, you know, there were measures put in place that really cut journalists off from information that should have been public. And I wasn't the only person dealing with that. Um, You know, certainly we have colleagues over at the AJC who are, I will admit, much more dogged than I was at trying to get information out there. And they did some of that. But I, I still think we haven't really had the access that we need to tell the full story of what happened when it happened. And I think that there might be this sense from people who are public figures that if we bat these requests down for long enough, people will give up. These stories will be told. We will have an accounting for how our state leaders handled the pandemic. That might come five years from now. That might come 10 years from now. But those books will be written. And you're talking about just access to data and current data. Access to data, access to records, access Mm -hmm. to emails. I I don't know if folks remember this, but uh, there was a pretty notable press conference that Governor Brian Kemp did about, this was many months ago, was that they they had just kind of realized um, there was so much asymptomatic transmission. Mm -hmm. I remember that. You know, um, 
I would love to see the internal communications that he had with public health experts and officials in the government at that time. We've not been able to get them. And so it's things like that where, um, you know, journalists have long memories. You're right about that. Speaking of data, though, needing to shift through all of that. I don't know about you. I love history. So Mm -hmm. I'll read books. I'll go back and read a speech from FDR. I love stuff like that. I do not particularly enjoy shifting through a lot of numbers Mm -hmm. and graphs and looking for spikes and trends and all that. But I know it's important for you having to do this because you have to do this a lot because we're this is where data is so important because Mm -hmm. it deals with people's lives. Did you ever get to a point where you say, you know, I'm just tired of looking through this this graph and going to this table and inputting this to get this and. The hard part of it really was not necessarily the um, crunching the numbers or you know working with an Excel spreadsheet, but but the fact that prior to the Biden administration coming in and really changing the data landscape, especially with stuff coming out of CDC, we had people in the newsroom rows going and pulling one specific number from a website once a day for months. Mm. And if we missed, a day or we didn't communicate well with each other about whose job it was to go pull that number, we didn't have that number. And there wasn't a really good way for us to go back and get that specific data point. And and so, yeah, I, I mean, I think that the real challenge of covering this pandemic has been one of stamina and just really when you've had months and months and months of doing the same mundane task or it feels like telling the same mundane story stopping and thinking to yourself, no, this has value. People want to hear me write the same story on numbers and where we are that maybe it feels like I've written a hundred times, but it's still something that people care about. I remember we used to every day give the hospitalization, Mm -hmm. new infections and deaths statistics every day. Mm -hmm. And I received an email from someone that said, I'm tired of hearing this. Why are you doing this? And I spoke about it. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, to the listener who emailed us, this is why we do it, because it's information. And I got other emails saying, thank you, because this is the only way that I get an update. A woman wrote to me and said, I don't have cable. Mm -hmm. I listen to your show for news and information. That's why we do what we do. And that's why we gave those numbers every day for so long. Yeah, and I think it's it's really important to, um, I mean, I think what we've seen over the course of the pandemic is the way that private institutions and non-governmental institutions have really taken a big role in collecting and digesting that data. A lot of that, honestly, was just because the Trump administration was not doing stuff that now the Biden administration is. I mean, listeners can go to the CDC website now, and there's so many different ways to slice and dice the data. It's it's really impressive. But, you know, you had organizations essentially standing up data hubs from scratch because there was no other way for this information to make it out to the public. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of those have stood down over time um, just as attention has waned. And and what I'm really interested in, Rose, is, is when we kind of get to a point where there's going to be a day when someone makes the editorial call, you know what, let's not do that today. And then it's going to be two days in a row where we don't talk about mm-hmm. those numbers. And right, it's just I'm we're not necessarily going to acknowledge that there's some inflection point, some change happening, but there will be a time when sure. we don't do that every day. A moment ago, I mentioned at the core of this lives, people, Mm -hmm. we've had some compelling COVID-19 related personal stories on this program. Recall for you, if there are some 
personal stories, folks you interviewed that really stay with you to this day? I mean, I'm always just amazed that anyone will share a personal story with a journalist um, because, you know, we call them up out of the blue. We reach out to them on Facebook and they don't know who we are. They don't know to trust us. I will say um, one person who I checked in with a few times um, over the course of the last year and a half was uh, a woman down in southwest Georgia um, who lost her daughter to COVID. Um, They had both been sick. Her daughter was 27 Hmm. um, at the time, one of the youngest uh, COVID deaths in the state. Um, Certainly there have been more younger people who who have died since then. This was down near Albany, a place that was really the epicenter of the pandemic here in the country early on, um, if folks remember that time. It's just one of many personal conversations I've had on the show. It's really easy, I think, we were just talking about numbers, Mm -hmm. to forget that behind each one of those numbers is a person and people who love them. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to get kind of numb to that if you're just thinking about We've had, what, 5 million deaths globally this week? How do you even conceptualize that, yeah. right? And and so, you know, I think for me, what I have really tried to do is when I'm looking at the numbers or when I'm just tired of having to look at digits just, just to think, okay, well, these are, these are people and uh, they have families and people who love them. Did You Wash Your Hands debuted March of 2020? Now, unlike Law and Order, which will probably continue for the next 20 years, there's some news concerning Did You Wash Your Hands? Yeah, we are going to be taking what I will call a hiatus. So our final episode of the show was put out this week. It's this conversation to have that (laughs) kind of meta acknowledgement. (laughs) This is actually the final episode of this podcast under the kind of banner of Did You Wash Your Hands? The reason why is that I am going to be stepping away from my role as WABE's health reporter and actually joining the Closer Look family. What? Uh, Nobody told me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm very, very excited to let folks know I'm going to be joining your team as y'all's new senior producer. So what that means for the podcast is a little uncertain right now. The powers that be at WABE um, have acknowledged that this is a space that we want to keep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're in the process of hiring the person who's going to be our next health reporter. And my hope is that they can re-engage in this space in some kind of way telling health stories that's not just COVID all the time under different branding. So to all our subscribers, don't unsubscribe. <laughs> As they say, watch this space, um, because at some point uh, in time, hopefully in the near future, you'll be hearing a lot of great uh, health stories from Atlanta. Well, firstly, welcome. I'm very excited to Thank have you. you join our team, because we are a team. We're still small, but we'll continue to be mighty. So I'm very excited about having you on board, Sam. And then... With all the podcasts we have here, Political Breakfast, Did You Wash Your Hands, Now We Have the Brief, uh, with all the content that we put out here at WABE, very proud of it and very proud of what you've been able to do, Sam, with this. It is not easy when you are the general and the troops. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. Mm -hmm. So um, what you've been able to do with Did You Wash Your Hands has just been simply not just informative and much needed for our community But I do know your passion and dedication to this podcast. So thank you for that. And as we wrap up, Sam, what do you want folks to know about 
your dedication and passion to this project for 20 months. I just want to take a moment, too, to give a shout out to some of the folks um, who made this possible. Um, Stephen Key, a former producer here at WABE, was really instrumental in helping me get the show out back when we were five days a week early on, which was just a lot of work for one person. You know, and there have also been people here in the building who have really had faith in me to do this. Alex Helmick, who's our managing editor, and uh, Scott Wolfel, who's our chief content officer. It's hard to start any project not knowing where it's going to go. And there were times, especially in the early days, when it just felt, you know, like drinking from a fire hose with regards to all the COVID news coming in, where Mm -hmm. I I wasn't necessarily totally convinced that this was the best way for me to tell the story of the pandemic. I I think now that I'm at a point where I'm going to be stepping away from it, um, I look back at those moments and just really think I was wrong. The pandemic, something that is certainly going to be the subject of much academic study. Mm -hmm. I I hope that a podcast like Did You Wash Your Hands, um, as long as we pay for the web hosting long enough to keep it up, (laughs) is going to be some kind of living document of, of what was happening. And I think that as journalists, like that is the very least that we can do for people is say, here is this moment that we're all living through. And here are some voices that might help you understand it. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps others find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I won't be around to remind you. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thank you so much for listening.